Cover to Cover, a podcast featuring musical conversations about an album or song which has changed and enhanced someone's life. I'm your host, songwriter Matt Targa. We humans connect with the presence of music in our own unique way. As an artist, a concert goer, through our headphones, or as something that simply lives in our everyday background. Our guest today is a musician hailing from Spring Mills, Pennsylvania, which is in the State College area of Pennsylvania. He is one Chris Ratty of Chris Ratty and the New Rebels. If you're unfamiliar with Chris's band, be sure to check the show notes for a link to his music. We asked Chris what he's currently working on creatively at the moment, and you'll be pleased to know that he is wrapping up scoring a project for a documentary film called Land and Water Revisited, as well as mixing some new music recorded with the New Rebels. We'll also include a link for more details about the documentary for listeners who are interested in learning more. Chris's favorite sport or activity is skateboarding. His favorite TV show to watch or stream is called The Righteous Gemstones. And we also asked Chris if he has any pet peeves, and he responded with so many pet peeves. Bands that load out their gear while another band is playing their set, as well as running sound from an iPad. For our conversation today, we'll be discussing Bruce Springsteen's 1978 album for Columbia Records titled Darkness on the Edge of Town, which was recorded at the record plant in New York City. John Landau wore the producer's cap, Jimmy Iovine and Chuck Plotkin were at the mixing desk, and Mike Reese mastered this key record in The Canon of the Boss. Darkness on the Edge of Town was Springsteen's fourth studio album after a three-year gap in releases due to legal troubles with manager Mike Pell. So without further delay, let's get to know Chris Raddy and the boss's fourth studio record, Darkness on the Edge of Town. Chris, it is so wonderful that we have a chance to, to chat here. We are in December, come back from tour, we're closing out the year, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you about this man from Asbury Park named Bruce Springsteen. What made you choose this fourth studio record from the boss, Darkness on the Edge of Town? Um, I, you know, I thought a really long time when you approached me because there's, there's so much out there, um, and I really thought a long time about it, and I just kept coming back to this record because it's been with me for such a long time, and it's sort of... I've always felt like it was relatable for, for, for going on decades now. I mean, I've been listening to it since I'm a teenager, and it, it sort of always seems relevant, and it changes with you, and the meanings change with you, and, and that's like that's a solid record that, that can do that. So that's why I picked it. It just means a lot to me. Nice. Can you, um, can you tell our listeners uh, who the lead singer is? You know, they might be thinking, well, it's probably Bruce Springsteen, but, you know, there are some artists out there like, Santana, for example, where the project is under his name, but, you know, Santana doesn't sing. Uh, can you tell, you know, our listeners who, who that lead vocalist is and, you know, perhaps some of the additional musicians and, and players are on this record? Sure. Well, I mean, it was pretty much the classic lineup of the band. Uh, obviously, you know, Bruce Springsteen is, is, uh, is the captain of that ship and is, is the lead singer and is most certainly the, uh, the boss of rock and roll and, in every aspect. Um, and then you have the, your classic uh, East Street lineup there. You got uh, Danny Frederici on organ and Roy Bitten on piano, uh, Gary Talon on bass, 
Steve Van Zandt on guitar, who kind of came in and out of the band, but it's a crucial member, and uh, Max Weinberg on drums, and then, of course, the big man, Clarence Clemens, on the saxophone. So how did you discover this record from the boss? Did you, you know, is there some sort of anecdote that you can share with us? Did it, you know, did it happen on your own, you know, perhaps through radio? Was it through, uh, you know, a relative or, you know, a, a kid brother or sister? Like, how... How did this go down? How did you how did you really connect to this record? I have a I have an older brother who um my older brother John who is a, a humongous uh musical influence on me of course growing up and and actually continues to be one today as we've played in bands together and worked together on all different kinds of musical projects. So, you know, I found Bruce Springsteen through through my older brother. Um and you know I would say like you know junior high, high school at that time, and I was a little, um, I would say initially I was a little, I was picking it up at first. Um, you have a sort of image of, of the guy, and, and that sort of permeates, you know, your opinion about him. So it wasn't my thing at first, and I was like, I like the early stuff. You know, that's cool. And and, and then you kind of keep coming back to it and, and keep exploring it and, and keep figuring out, you know, things that you like about it. So... Ultimately, I landed on darkness on the edge of town, like I said, because it's just it's just been with me the longest. Even of all of his records, it's the one that's been with me the longest, and it just it speaks to me. Um, it speaks to my life experience, and, and and it speaks to the person you want to be. You know, all, all those things. So, yeah, you know, you mentioned that you listened to some of those early records. Do you think that, you know, some of that early stuff like Greetings from Asbury Park, do you think that, you know, between, you know, then and then fast forward a couple of years later to Darkness on the Edge of Town, um, do you think this was a drastic departure for, you know, for what Bruce and, and uh, the E Street Band were trying to accomplish sonically? Or do you think that he he harnessed that that sound in such a way where, you know, from those very early days, and this is kind of a continuum with a little bit of extra, you know, oomph or, or modifications of, of things that they had built upon. What do, where do you think that this, you know, kind of fits in that overall landscape in 1978? I don't think, yeah, I, I, that's, that's a great question. I don't think, um, I don't think it's a departure. Um, I think, I think it's more him finding himself and, and the records, you know, the first three, yeah, this is his fourth record. So the first three, um, you know, the first first two is is very sort of lyrically, it's 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 a lot like like Bob Dylan, very wordy, very dense, not a whole lot of like literal meaning in any of it, just a lot of like really great descriptions and and, and things like that, super wordy. And and the music is super busy, you know, and, and as you sort of, I think as any great artist kind of starts to boil things down, just keep boiling it down. What's what's the what's the most refined version of this, you know? And I and yeah. I think that that's what Darkness on the Edge of Town is sort of him finding that, um, and then pretty much sticking with it from there in a lot of ways. But um, you know, even from the production sense, uh, Born, uh, Born the Run, it's got a Phil Spector style production. It's a lot, you know, big, big wall of sound. And then 
darkness on the edge of town is just a, a sleek, mean machine. You know, there's there's just simple and and, and driving. And it also probably speaks to the time it was released. So, you, you know, he's hanging out on the East Coast, uh, New Jersey, New York City. That's kind of the, that's kind of his area. And you have punk rock breaking in New York City and becoming a thing. I think that this album sounds, it's his most sort of New York City punk rock 70s record. I mean, obviously, I'm sure there's people that love punk rock that would tell me I'm crazy, but... It, it is it is in that vein. It is in that vein in terms of attitude, in terms of just raw rock and roll. You know, that's a really interesting point uh, that you bring up here. Um, we're talking to Chris Ratty of Chris Ratty and the New Rebels here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka, and um, specifically about Bruce Springsteen's Darkness on the Edge of Town. And, you know, from a production point of view, Chris, you know, it's interesting that you bring up 70s punk rock and, you know, um, you know, bear with me here for a second, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking back at some of the liner notes here, and Jimmy Iovine, you know, in particular, was right there at the mixing desk, and he was playing, he, he began to play a really prominent role in the career development, if you will, of Tom Petty. Right. And, you know, somebody like Tom Petty, you know, had a very similar ethos in a lot of ways to Springsteen, you know? There was a lot of emotion that, you know, was always captured on those on all of Tom Petty's records, for sure. But it really began to take shape uh, in the late 70s. I wonder how much of that, you know, that New York City influence, uh, how much of that helped inform this type of session with the boss. Well, there's there's two things I would say about that. Um, the, the first thing, it's just kind of like an interesting little fact about the record. Um, Jimmy Iovine was also working with Patti Smith at the yeah. time, and yeah. he was he he was engineering Boss's record, but he was producing Patti Smith. And it was during that time that Springsteen handed over because the night, what he what you know as much of that song that he had written. He handed that over to Patti Smith, and then she finished the right and then recorded it. It's like one of her own hit songs, um, uh, you know. And she's she's huh? of the, she's of that punk world. Yeah, that's yeah. It's interesting you bring up because the night there was. Um, I, I remember seeing you know this is back in the NTV days <laughs> um, where Springsteen and, and I think it was Patti Smith that uh, they they sang together on Because the Night. It was some type of benefit show. Um, yeah, I, I wish I remember what that was for, but it was just that was a really powerful rendition of that track. That's like a direct line to, to what I was saying before, um, and you know the fact that he could write this song and then hand it over to to Patti Smith, who is you know again of that New York City punk world, and and it's the perfect song for her. You know, it does connect the music in that way. The other thing about Jimmy Eugene that's really cool is they worked for, uh, from what I've read, they worked for weeks and weeks to the point of obsessive compulsive over the drum sound uh to get it to where springsteen liked it and where jimmy Iovine liked it and that sound was refined again on another level when Iovine produced um down the torpedoes and i mean that was like a, a sort of revolutionary drum sound at the time for 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 that record so it was kind of all developing through there that's why they call him the boss man that's why they, why they call him the boss, the boss. yeah <laughs> We're talking to Chris Ratty here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarkin. Chris, this feels like a very natural segue to talking about what your favorite tracks are on Darkness on the Edge of Town. Where would you like to begin? And, you know, please tell our listeners, you know, why they're your favorite tracks. 
Well, okay. Um, well, man, they're all pretty good. I would say favorite track would be a tie between between racing in the street and darkness on the edge of town. Um, and interestingly enough, man, just we just learned racing in the street and did a cover for it for our sort of end of the year shows. But um, those two kind of tie the whole concept of the record together in the best way possible, which is sort of becoming an adult, moving out of that adolescent attitude, uh, which is, you know, born to run is a lot about that. It's about if we can get out of here, we're going to win. Let's, let's dream big and get out of here. Let's get out of here. That's born to run. Darkness on the edge of town is we're here and we're the same people. And all the baggage and bullshit that we had back there, we brought it with us. So so now what do we do? And it's, you know, it asks the questions of what happens when you dream and you fail? Then what do you do? And and those are those are big questions. I think that's why the album continues to grow with you as as you listen to it because it's it's just more and more sort of adult. But, you know, Racing in the Street, it's, first of all, it's a beautiful song. I can't get through it without without getting all teary-eyed just based on the music alone. You know, even if the words weren't a part of the situation, it's, he, he really does, it's a crafted song in, in that sense. Um, the, the lyrics, I mean, it's just, again, adult concept. I'm living my dream. I'm doing this thing. And then you get to the back half of the song and you look at how that attitude and that life is affecting the people who love him. And, it, and it's not always the most positive thing for everybody. And that is, that's a difficult thing to think about, you know. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I love that. Uh, Darkness on the Edge of Towns, I've heard people kind of make the argument that that's the conclusion to racing in the street. So it's the same characters. And now and now they've, you know, they've split apart and, and they're living their own lives. But um, it just, you can't listen to that song and not want to go conquer the day. <laughs> it's impossible. It's yeah. uh, it. it, 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 it Despite a darkness, it's it's filled with hope. Talking about Darkness on the Edge of Town here by Bruce Springsteen, his fourth full-length record. And, you know, Racing in the Street, uh, it, it's a very introspective song. It begins with this beautiful piano intro. It's very quiet. Um, it's There's no chorus to this particular track. It is just, it is one giant story that, that clocks in at uh, a mere six minutes and 52 seconds. (laughs) In in this capacity, it reminds me a lot, and these are two very drastically different songs, but in terms of emotive appeal, uh, it reminds me a lot of Jackson Brown's The Loadout. Right, yeah, same same vibe musically for sure. In terms of, yeah, in terms of approach, there's, there's a really, you know, a deep story that, that penetrates your soul. People have, People that are that are characters or people that are represented in this song, Racing in the Street, they've made a lot of sacrifices, some personal, maybe some professional. And like, like you said, it's impacted a lot of people in their world. It's beautiful and it's heartbreaking. Exactly. But, and again, at the end, you know, it's, well, it sounds, at the end, they're, they're, they're riding to the sea to wash their sins off their hands. So I think, I think at the end of the song, the, the narrator maybe realizes what's important. You know, the dream is important, but this person who loves me and has agreed to follow me into that is also more important. So, and you know, Matt, 
that might be me bringing my own world into this song, which is why it's a great piece of art. You know, and I'm I'm yeah. viewing this through my lens, and 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 if if it can continue to grow with you like that, that's just it's powerful. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's talk about this title track in a little bit more detail. You mentioned darkness on the edge of town. Are there any particular lyrics that stand out for you on this song? I mean, the whole thing. You know, I, I, what I was saying before, they're they're still racing out in the trestles, but that blood never burned in her veins. I hear she's got a house with fair few and a style she's trying to maintain. So it sounds to me like the people in racing in the streets did not make it, and and now we're left with an even harsher, you know, failure uh, is losing losing the person you love. Um, but it's just it just speaks to it speaks to my ethic in general. You know, tonight I'll be at Hill because I can't stop. I'll be there with everything I got, with lives on the lines where dreams are found and lost. I'll be there on time, and I'll pay the cost. I mean, that's that's fourth quarter football with the clock ticking down, and you're looking at this, and you're saying, "Well, this seems predetermined, but I still have to do this. I still have to do this." Um, and, and that is, uh, you know, that's powerful. That that uh, that that'll get you through some times. It'll certainly get you through some laying on a greasy couch in some weird Airbnb after a not perfect gig kind of time. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's important, you know? Absolutely. You know, there, there's a curiosity that's peaked in me. I, I'm very curious about this reference point that takes place at the beginning. You, you mentioned, you know, a house up in Fairview. Um, I wonder where this spot is, uh, you know, beneath Abrams Bridge. Is Abrams Bridge, you know, part of the darkness on the edge of town? Have there been have have there been catastrophes that have occurred there? Um, you know, it seems I'm, to me like it's a it's a so she she's got a house up in Fairview. I don't know anything about what where Fairview is if it's a real place or not. Sounds yeah. fancy though. Sounds yeah. sounds fancy to me. Um, I'm out beneath under Abrams Bridge. You know, if we're gonna be like super literal and. Tie back to the other song, if it is, mm-hmm. or maybe that's maybe that's the where they race. You know, that might be the, the 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 spot where they're racing. So I'm still out there trying to do this thing, but it is you're wanting things uh, that can only be found in the darkness on the edge of town. So you're dreaming big, but you're not going to find those things without going through some real shit. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that is kind of the that's kind of the driving force between the things. So. You know, you couldn't Abrams Bridge and Fairview couldn't be two more different places. She chose safety. I chose this. <laughs> right? You know, and yeah. that, that could be it. <laughs> what other tracks uh, stand out for you here? We've talked about the title track. We've talked about Racing in the Street. Are there other songs that just kind of just grab you by the arm and say, you need to put, you know, you need to put put on this record again? Uh, you know, Badlands of is, is 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 they're all they're all so good. Badlands, I love, of course. Um, I mean, it, it's like the fight song of the album, uh, musically, lyrically. Um, and what I was what I was saying before, the guitar solo, I love it. And uh, Adam raised the cane again, like the guitar playing is just is great. And I think that you know Springsteen doesn't always get the credit as a lead guitar player, but he's a monster. And he has defined a tone and sound with the Telecaster, and it's it's just 
the, the guitar work in Adam Kane is great, and I, I'm still trying to to play it, and I can't, <laughs> and it's frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about how these songs continue to inspire you. So you, you mentioned that you began uh, just recently at, at a show covering Racing in the Street. I'm I'm curious as to you know how this song or you know how you arrived at this particular song to cover. Because, you know, knowing a little bit about your sound, you've got a real rollicking approach, if I can say that. You know, there's a, there, there's that sort of, like, dirty, grittier, you know, sort of rock blues vibe that, that I gather from your music. And I would love to know how you interpreted this song. Um, how does it continue to inspire you? Uh, well, I, you know, we came to playing it because, uh, we, we, you know, we've been out on the road. We played about a hundred shows this year, um, all over the place. And, um, we were just kind of listening to it on the way home as we were getting close to being done for the year. And, and it just, it sort of struck everybody. Um, there's a line in there, uh, some guys give up living, die little by little, piece by piece. Some guys come home from work and wash up and go racing in the street. And I think it really reminded me of us because we're all working hard. We're all working hard during the week. And then by Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, we're out on the road. So it was just it just nonstop grind for this year. It's been great. But I felt like we need to play this song. Uh, and, and especially we did a end-of-the-year show uh, at home, and it just felt really appropriate to learn it. Um, how we interpret it musically, we're doing – we're a little bit of a different stand now. I'm playing drums with my feet, playing guitar, and we got a bass player, and we got Nate who plays guitar and harmonica. So we just did it as simply as possible, uh, focused on having all of those beautiful melodies played on harmonica and really kept it as pared down to just acoustic and harmonica as you can get it so that it's kind of getting that plaintive vibe out there, which I think is kind of the, you know the vibe of the song that, sort of melancholy, happy, melancholy feel, you know? Very cool. We're talking with Chris Ratty here of Chris Ratty and the New Rebels. Chris, why don't we talk about some cover art here? Even in the 21st century, artwork is still important. It's a cornerstone with every newly minted uh, single or full-length album. Um, what is conjured up in your mind when you look at Darkness on the Edge of Town? You know, it's kind of funny because when I was first starting to listen to Springsteen and kind of explore all the music, I was like, what is with this cover? Uh, like, it just seems so, I don't know. It, 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 there's not a lot going on. Um, but again, like like the record is, once you start really kind of digging into it, like there is a lot going on there. I think it that's the apartment where that guy lives. Uh, it, it, you know, the characters that embody the song. That's the place. Like uh -huh. the wall, the wallpaper, that particular kind of closet door. Like it's just kind of that look that he's. It's it's so far removed from what came before it, which is you know the the, the cover to Born to Run and him with the leather jacket, the Telecaster with the sneakers tied to it. And he's leaning up against Clarence, and and that's clearly we're we're in for a really fun time on that record, and. Clearly, we're in for a really serious time with this record. So yeah, it's actually yeah. great, you know. And the, the, I mean, the font that they chose for the for the for the for the title is is that typewriter font. It, it speaks perfect to the sort of lyrical depth in there. It, it is like a a series of short stories. 
it's very much like a Raymond Carver short story, the whole thing. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's, um, it's perfect. It's perfect. And it's funny that I say that now because for the longest time I used to make fun of it. And be like, you know, it looks like they just woke the guy up and took a quick picture, but it, it, it's pretty good. It's, it's pretty good. It's interesting you say that, you know, it looks like he just woke up. You know, my my thought was this is somebody that's trying to skedaddle out of the house right now. He's got his white T-shirt on. Right. He, has, he has his leather jacket. Like, he's been caught before he heads out the door. Like, right. what, the, what the hell do you want from me now? I'm, I'm going out right now to, you know, go racing in the street. I'm going out right. to race cars with my friends. Like, it's, it, it's an arresting photo. It's like what you know. What you see is what you get. I imagine. Yeah, I mean, I imagine they took a you know a lot of pictures throughout the house and then just kind of settled on these. But I, I, I still, I keep trying to picture like the photographer being like, no, no, just yeah, right in front of that closet door. That's that's yeah. that's a good spot. You just stand in that corner. But yeah. um, it is it is really cool. I mean, there's a lot going on. It just it just sort of takes a minute to to. It takes a little bit of thought, you know, to to really sort of pick up on all of it. But it it is it is an interesting cover. It's very it serious. It's very it serious. He means what he's about to say. Yeah, it's it's and 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 lyrically it's dark. And you know the the wallpaper appropriately is has faded. Right, right, it's right, a, right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, it's dark, but it's but it's hopeful. Don't forget that it's hopeful. Yeah, it's just like. Yeah. It's just like realistic adult hopeful. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then interestingly enough on the back, the leather jacket's off. It's the same kind of wallpaper that right. we continue with that, you know, that typewritten font, but you know, he's he's sort of making some sort of almost like a like oh, I, I don't know how I, to put this other than he's kind of got his hands halfway clasped together. Like he's forming a heart. Yeah, yeah. It's kind or, of or interesting. Like, like, like that, it gets into that hope that you speak of. Yeah, yeah. Or he's fidgeting because someone across the room is asking him what he's doing home so late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's, he's kind of got that look. What? <laughs> you know? I like that interpretation yeah. a whole lot more. <laughs> Does, you know, we, we've talked a lot about how this record continues to inspire you today. Did you, did you have this on in CD format or vinyl format? Or are there any, um, or did you have like a, like a poster on the wall, for example, darkness on the edge of town, were there other ways that this, uh, this record, you know, inspired you when you, you know, picked up a guitar or, you know, does it somehow transport you back to an era in, in which this music was created? Uh, definitely, it definitely. The, I mean, I I was very young during that era, so I, you know, I was only two or three years old when the album came out. But um, it's still, but but my early my time in my life of finding the record, um, which was late teens or early, you know, junior high, high school, like I said, um, that that it it does bring me back to that, and and it was introduced to me on cassette, so so that's kind of an interesting. Um, I guess that's dating me a little bit, but that was my that was my medium for for listening to this was was cassette, and of course now I have it on vinyl, um, yeah. and it's it, it's much better, and you can look at the pictures a little more in depth and all that. But um, it does inspire me, guitar playing wise. I mean, I, I mainly play a Telecaster. I mainly play that because I'm trying to I'm trying to get that tone 
you know, I'm trying to get a similar tone when I can to the things that he was doing. Um, so yeah, that inspires me all the time. Um, it's, uh, it, it, it's on the top shelf. Chris, it has been such a wonderful pleasure to chat with you today. Thank you so very much for coming on uh, cover to cover and sharing with us this batch of music that just continues to, you know, to, to speak to you. It's a fantastic record. And just, you know, thank you for sharing your perspective. I really appreciate you being on. Oh, well, sure, man. Thanks for, thanks for having me on to come on and talk about it. I, I love talking about music, so I'll do it. I'll do it anytime. Thank you so much, Chris. All right. Thanks so much to Chris Ratty for being on with us today here at Cover to Cover. For all of you listeners out there, thank you so very much. And please remember to hit that subscribe button on your favorite device in which you listen to your favorite podcast, whether it's Google Play, Stitcher, Apple, or wherever you like to listen to your favorite podcasts. Give us a review sometime. It really helps. Take a moment to tell friends and family about our show and feel free to drop us a line at hello at cover to cover conversations.com. Intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett Nicolay at Mixtape Studios in Northern Virginia. And we hope you discovered some new music, perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song and shared a good moment with us as we continue to sonically explore a world from cover to cover. <laughs>